0: Welcome back to the show for the second time in two weeks. Sal Capaccio is joining us right now from WGR in Buffalo. Sal is the sideline guy for Bills games and host radio show up there as well. You can check him out at WGR. Last week, if you recall, we had everybody on who was in the mix covering a game in the mix involving the Steelers. The Steelers needed help from either the Dolphins to beat the Bills or Tennessee to beat the Jaguars. They got the second part of that. They didn't get the first part of that. Everybody's watching Dolphins and Bills trying to figure out what that meant for the Steelers in terms of who they were playing, but at least by that point, the Steelers knew they were in thanks to what happened with Tennessee and Jacksonville. And now, Sal, my first question for you is, is the game actually going to be played in Buffalo? Or are they going to have to move this thing because of the weather? Oh my gosh, no. Um,
1: listen, it's because the Bills have had a game, they had a game move last year and a game move back in 2014. You know this this comes up once in a while, but the, the truth of the matter is, Tim, the only reason why those games were moved is because literally you could not get in or out of the region. Um, you know the, the snow that hit before the games, day, a day, two days before the games, the travel bans in the city. That's not the case here. It's going to be weather. It's going to be bad weather. It's going to be you know nothing that football games haven't been played in before. Um, it's not. It's going to be about 20 degrees, wind chill probably five to 10 degrees. Uh, We've played colder games here, but it will be. There will possibly be a lake lake effect band hitting the stadium during the game, which would cause blowing snow. Um, so it's not like it's impassable roads or anything like that. No one's talking about anything remotely, you know, about moving the game.
0: Okay. So that was brought up down here as a possibility of maybe going to Cleveland instead of Buffalo. Oh my gosh. How much, how much better or worse was Cleveland going to be than Buffalo based on all this? Who knows? But, um, you know, maybe if it's not going to be as bad as some of the doomsday reports have been down here, then that's good to hear. Or Maybe it isn't for the Steelers. I don't know. I kind of think this is going to be like what we saw last week where maybe the bad weather kept the Ravens' backups closer to the Steelers, and I wonder if the worse the weather, maybe the Steelers stay close to the Bills. But then again, if Josh Allen just ends up calling his own number a ton, that could be a bad situation for the Steelers' defense too.
1: Yeah, listen, I think that this is going to be a game where both teams will want to run the football, not make mistakes in the air. It will be windy. Like, that's a big deal. It's going to be windy. Yeah. And, you know, Josh Allen can obviously throw through the wind, but all it takes is one mistake. Uh, Neither team is going to want to make a mistake to give the ball to the other team. So I do think they are going to, um, you know, try to run the ball, grind it out. That's the Steelers' life anyway. That's where, as you said the other day with me on the radio, that's where they want to live, right? That's where Mike Tomlin wants to be. Like, the Bills would love to do that, if they control, if they could control the game like that, that's what it come down to. Look, if the Bills get a ten point lead, I would think they would totally, you know, lean on the run game. That's what they would do. But in the meantime, I think that they'll trust their big arm quarterback to put it in his hands to both throw and and run, you know, if they have to, and know that you know he can do all these things because he's so big and he's so strong. Yes, he is a factor in the run game. He's been more of a factor in the run game over the last you know six weeks, seven weeks during the stretch that they played really well. And they're going to need him. He's a tank. He's going to be tough to bring down in in these kind of uh, conditions, especially.
0: This strikes me when they do throw as a perfect day for Kincaid because the weather being what it is, because the Steelers haven't been good against tight ends, the Steelers are getting some of their safeties back. Minka Fitzpatrick and Devontae KZ. that should help. But they're still thin at inside linebacker, and their best guy at inside linebacker, Landon Roberts, is a run-stopping guy, not a pass-coverage guy. Kincaid's had back-to-back weeks of what about, uh, I think it's 11 catches for roughly 190 yards between the two weeks. Do you expect him to be a go-to guy for Allen on Sunday?
1: Listen, I think that Gabe Davis being out probably, you know, bumps Sherfield up a little bit. Um, Stefan Diggs obviously is a guy that they want to you know get the ball to as much as possible, but he has been less involved in the offense, as you know, last several weeks. He did catch seven balls for I needed mean, eight, eight targets last week. I think Khalil Shakir is a, a real interesting player here this week. Khalil Shakir has really come on over the last several weeks, and I do think that you know he's a guy that uh, they're going to want to get it to the outside and use run after catch. And then Dalton Kincaid is a matchup guy, as you're talking about there. So I think those are the guys, Khalil Shakir on the outside, Dalton Kincaid on the inside, as you Brent mentioned, are the guys they'll probably want to target. I think Dalton Kincaid is – You know, a guy, he he played at Utah. It's not like he's unfamiliar with the kind of conditions. Not like he's ever played in this necessarily. Um, But I think that, you know, he'll be comfortable in this kind of environment and weather. And he can be a matchup problem because, you know, he's a really athletic tight end. He's a pass catching tight end. He can be on the field in pass situations. They also use a lot of 12 personnel, Tim. They've used him and Dawson Knox. So if you want to kind of key on one of them as a tight end, you have the other one who's available. I would not be surprised if Bills run a lot of 12 personnel in this game to basically say, hey, this is a running game, but you know what? We have two tight ends who can beat you, and because of the matchup that you're talking about with the linebackers, that might be an area they want to target.
0: He's had, like I said, uh, 15 targets over these last two weeks. Do you think those have come, Sal, largely because they've tried to focus on him and use him, highlight him, or has that been more a matter of Allen just taking what the defense has been giving him? I think it's been more of Allen taking what the defense is giving him.
1: I think it's an, it's a, it's, if you look really over the target share, Tim, over the last several weeks, going back to really since kind of Joe Brady took over, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's because of it. Also, Dawson Knox was out for a little while, but if you go back, the bills have really distributed the ball. People talk about Stefan Diggs, lack of production. Well, that is true. But with that lack of production has come the rise in production of other people. Dawson Knox, when he's come back last couple of weeks, a little bit more. Dalton Kincaid, definitely James Cook out of the backfield a lot. That's been something. Khalil Shakir, who I mentioned. So everyone's kind of getting the target share. I think Josh has really learned to just take what the defense gives him. Teams are playing him like that. They're not giving him the big shot down the field. They're daring Josh Allen to be patient. And as we see sometimes, he's still not patient in critical moments sometimes when he needs to be. Right. So I do think it's more of a, um, that he's taking what the defense is giving him. But at the same time, they drafted him in the first round for a reason, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like he's a guy that they rely on, that they know they can get him in space, and they will have a few certain plays built in to make sure that they target him specifically in matchups.
0: Sal you with us from WGR in Buffalo. Genji's head for the Bills and the Steelers coming up on Sunday. Make sure you're listening to the pregame show on DVE. I'll be on at 9 o'clock. All right, Sal, so the Steelers get... Two important safeties back in KZ and Fitzpatrick. They lose TJ Watt due to injury. Uh, obviously, I think we'd prefer the trade-off be the other way. But um, I'm thinking in my head different ways that they can work around Watt's absence. And I'm, like the first thing that comes to mind is okay, they've got more pieces to play with in the secondary. Do they feel more comfortable blitzing and bringing the attack to Josh Allen that way? And then I remember what I saw from him in the second half against Miami when Miami was blitzing, he was doing a good job beating the blitz. Um, is the smarter thing now that they've got two guys back or more adapted coverage to drop eight or, or or seven more often than not against Allen? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the way most teams have played, the Bills and Josh, and
1: kind of been a little bit more successful, um, where they basically play a too high cover shell. They say, we're going to keep everything underneath. We're going to force you to go 10, 15 plays. And the bills could do that. They can definitely do that. But what they're banking on is the bills will make a mistake and it doesn't have to be Josh Allen. Look, there have been times this year where Josh has done a really good job of just you know sticking with, hey, underneath, underneath, and then James Cook fumbled the ball, right? I mean, he's had a few this year. Something like that happens. There's a penalty that knocks you into a second and 20 and now you have to go to the air. So now a mistake happens. You give up a sack in that situation. So I think that's probably the way in this type of game to do it. I think this is the type of game to me where you force teams to have to go the length of the field because with the weather, Tim, I think at some point you're saying something's going to happen or we're going to have an opportunity to take the ball away. We're going to have an opportunity to knock you backward a little bit. If you give that one shot over the top, that's all it takes. And if one of these teams take a two-score lead, it could be it. I really believe that because of the way the weather's going to be and how each team then would kind of adjust their philosophy going forward.
0: I want to give you two matchups, Sal, one on each side of the ball, and you tell me how you think it's going to play out. Um, Porter on Diggs, for the most part, we expect that's how it'll be going down, and that's what Porter's been talking about this week. How often will Diggs work out of the slot to maybe mitigate that and aid the Bills? I think that would be smart for them to do in that context. And then on the other side, what about the two interior defensive linemen for Buffalo against the Steelers' center And guards Uh, I think that's a point Where Buffalo could really exploit things So on the Front side of that
1: We saw a lot more Stefan Diggs in the Slot last week than we had really He does work out of the slot sometimes it's not The preferred spot for him In this Bills offense Um, But he's definitely able to do it They can do it and they do move him around To get him away and last week it was to get him away From Jalen Ramsey a little bit Um, But they'll do that If if they feel that there's a guy That's covering him You know, they need to do that. They'll do it, but they might feel that they could just beat the guy covering them. Right. I mean, like they say, Hey, you know, the guy across from you, if they think they could beat Joey Porter or whatever, and I'm not saying they do, or they don't, I don't know. They may feel they don't have to do that enough in that situation, or Hey, we could just leave them there because now that opens up somebody else who's free on the other side who we could take advantage of. And like I said, this year, really the last, you know, half of the year, there's been plenty of times where step Diggs didn't get as many targets because. Josh Allen's willing to go the other way. He's willing to go to somebody else and say, hey, Stefan's covered. They're doubling him. They got somebody on him. I'm going to go the other way. So I think the Bills are comfortable with that, but he might work out of the slot for sure. As far as the Bills interior D line, this is, this is a really good interior D line, Tim. And, you know, they got a boost a couple of weeks ago by getting Daquan Jones back. Daquan Jones was hurt in London, tore his pack. Um, You guys are familiar when, you know, yeah. Watt did that a couple of years ago or last year, whenever that was, you know, and that you know, you miss him. And um, he came back. A couple weeks ago Last week I think two weeks ago He finally You know he played more last week And he's a difference maker But what he really does Is he makes Even Ed Oliver better And Ed Oliver to me Is having an all pro year He really is Now um, he was I think maybe second or third In like Pro Bowl voting On those teams You know where that goes But I I would tell you That I think this guy Is having the best year Of his career He's a penetrator The Bills run a penetrating defense And they rotate a lot On the D line So it's not just Those two guys They have a really nice Defensive end group Von Miller hasn't been That effective this year we know that he was even a healthy scratch a few weeks ago but Greg Rousseau has and AJ Epinesa is there um, you know they have a nice group Kingsley Jonathan can come off and, and be a guy Shaq Lawson this is a Bills defensive line that has really really stepped up this year I think to be the backbone of the defense and the strong part of the defense and it's allowed the secondary to really get after it lately for what they do
0: I think the Steelers guards Ciamalu and Daniels have been for the most part above average especially in the second half of the season above average to good um I think Mason Cole the center taps out at average well if that's the case the Bills will look to take advantage of that they
1: could put Daquan Jones um as a one technique you know they can put him on the center and you know as much as at Oliver at Oliver's an undersized guy right and Look, I'm not comparing him to Aaron Donald, but you know his game is like that because he's undersized, he's a penetrator, and he's tough to deal with. And when he gets going, if you have a matchup there he can take advantage of, they will definitely target that. Um, Daquan Jones is a penetrator, but he's also very, very good against the run. Um, the Bills do not two-gap. They one-gap, they go upfield. That's what they do. Now, in this game, I wonder, right? I mean, you try to go upfield and against the Steelers in a game where it's going to be a little bit of a wetter field. The Steelers, all it takes is to get to the second level, and suddenly you have a little something going. So I wonder how the the weather impacts that, you know, in, in their philosophy in this one.
0: How do Bills fans view the cornerbacks against the Steelers receivers, namely Pickens? Like what's the word on Douglas? I just got back from practice. He is not
1: practicing again today. That's Wednesday and Thursday missing practice. That's not good. The Bills actually have quite a few injuries and a lot of guys who miss practice on Thursday. Uh, I'll run through it. So Gabe Davis didn't practice wide receiver. Cornerback Russell Douglas didn't practice both knee injuries. Linebacker starting will linebacker Tyrell Dodson didn't practice with a shoulder injury. Safety Taylor Rapp didn't practice with a calf injury. And then left tackle Deion Dawkins and tight end Dawson Knox had illnesses and missed. And wide receiver punt returner Deontay Hardy, who had the return last week, uh, was out with a personal matter. So there's a lot kind of to go on here as far as, you know, what they think about how, um, these guys, if they are able to play and, you know, what their status is. Now, Sean McDermott called them all day to day, including Rasul Douglas. That, that would be a big loss. It would be a big loss if the Bills didn't have Rasul Douglas. Now, that said, I think this secondary with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, and if Taylor Rapp can give it a go, especially, which, you know, we don't know there, you know, these guys can cover a lot of things. And they can, I think in this game specifically, what they like to do is for young quarterbacks and experienced quarterbacks. I, I guess I'd call that Rudolph. He's not as young. He's a little more inexperienced. They'll mix things up. They'll disguise coverages all over the place. They're the best duo in the league at doing that. And they'll f- try to force you to think you thinks you see something and then you don't. Um, behind Russell Douglas, though, is Dane Jackson. You guys know him from Pitt. Dane Jackson had a heck of a game last week when he stepped in. He gave up one play. And then after that, he made a couple of heck of a plays. He's been a starter on this team. Christian Benford on the other side, I think, in his second year only, is really starting to round into a really, really solid NFL corner.
0: The thing about Rudolph, I don't know how it's being portrayed in Buffalo, but my take on it is, yes, he's done really good work when asked upon these three weeks. He's making throws that Kenny Pickett either couldn't or didn't try to make. That's been the biggest difference. But you do have to put the caveat to it that he did really well against two bad defenses in Cincinnati and Seattle. And I still maintain the best defense he's seen so far is Baltimore without – Mm-hmm. half of Baltimore starters <laughs> like I, I still think that was the best defense he's seen so this will by far be his his stiffest test since getting well, the, l- let the me job ha- back let
1: me ask you something on that note and first let me let me go back to your first question I would say though everything I just said is more about like going against the offense and Rudolph but I would tell you like boy if these are clean conditions or if you can get a matchup of Pickens one-on-one or Deontay Johnson one-on-one against these guys I think those fans would tell you like yeah I mean they're that they're a handful to deal with and I don't know I don't like our chances there. Mm-hmm. I think the question is can the Steelers get them one on one and get them the ball with the Bills pass rush the way it is they you know they're maybe one of if not the best pass rushes in the league overall collectively and with the weather. I think that would be the the reason why you'd be optimistic from a Bills side but man if it's a one on one deep ball or a ball on the sidelines and it's one of these corners against one of these receivers yeah, I think that's a that, that could be a favorable matchup um, for the Steelers. And then as far as what you just said, let me ask you. You say that, but I wonder about where well, they did go against Luana Rumo and that defense. Now I know mm-hmm. that they're down people, but we've seen that defense down people and they were still able to shut people down.
0: Didn't feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't feel like there was much resistance. I will say this. I got you. I, I think in that first game that Rudolph played at quarterback, it was the second game that they had played already against the Bengals. And if you're kind of using that as a barometer, it sounds like you might be to a certain degree because of the Anaruma connection there. Um, Yeah. One thing that they did well in the first game without Matt Canada as the coordinator, when Pickett was still the quarterback in Cincinnati, they exploited the middle of the field because they never went there with Matt Canada. Ever. Never even tried. Mm And then they used Pat Friermuth for 11 targets and 9 receptions, and it was by far and away his biggest game of the year, and he just tore the Bengals up. And then I think when, even though they knew it was going to be Mason Rudolph at quarterback, because things changed so very little in scheme and approach between Pickett to Trubisky, my hunch is the Bengals just thought, you know what? They're going to do the same thing with Rudolph as they did with the other two. They're not going to beat us with uh, Pat Fryermuth again. And then Rudolph lit him up with Pickens. And Pickens was on the outside, singled a couple times. He saw it right away and went to him, and they burned him on multiple occasions. I think that was exploiting a game plan that had logic behind it, but just wasn't ready to adjust when they saw what Mason Rudolph was doing.
1: Yeah, I understand that. I will tell you that the Bills are, have generally – it's actually an area where they've been very bad against tight ends over in the past. They've been good for the most part against tight ends this year. Um, but you look a couple of games, that tight ends got loose on them. Uh, it has happened. I'm trying to think uh, back. Let me look as I know. I'm looking at the schedule here a little bit. Um, 1, 2, three, four, five, six, seven. I think it was maybe the did the Patriots maybe used their tight ends a little bit. Now, granted, this was also – one thing that happened was they're – a couple of their games against tight ends looks like it was the middle of the season. There, they had to feel their way through these injuries on defense. They lost Matt Milano, it was a huge loss, and teams started really targeting the middle of the field when Milano was out and Tyrell Dodson came in. So what the Bills did, and I, I give Sean McDermott so much credit for this, Tim, because he, what the Bills did was they lost Matt Milano, they put Tyrell Dodson in, and he was just such a liability against the pass, but he's very good against the run. Well, they figured that out. So anytime it's a run situ- a pass situation. They bring in a third safety, Taylor Rapp, and they move Jordan Poyer down to the dime linebacker, actually, and that's been a world of difference for this team covering the middle of the field over the last, you know, six weeks. Yeah, well,
0: that's that's a fair comp to the Steelers then, because when they were mired in that three-game losing streak, it was largely because opposing tight ends were killing them. Like Trey McBride from the Cardinals yeah. killed him, and Hunter Henry from the Patriots yep. killed him, and that was all after they lost all the inside linebackers and. Then they lost the safeties on top of it with Fitzpatrick and Demonte KZ in the suspension in the same game in, uh, in Indianapolis. Yeah, I can see that. And so there
1: there could be opportunity there, um, you know, if the, if the Steelers want to get the ball to those tight ends. What I think is really, really key in this game is tackling. And, you know, a team needs to wrap up and not allow yards because when you're coming in on a wet field like that, I really believe it was a big reason why the Bills lost last year against Cincy. Now they lost for other reasons too. There's no doubt. And Cincy beat them. I'm not giving taking any credit away. They beat them pandally when they came here. But the Bills just didn't handle the 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 footing that well for some reason. It was very very odd. A lot of guys were slipping. It's you know it's Buffalo. It's yeah. their home stadium. They're used to it. It's on their turf. And I thought they I thought the Bengals really really handled the the footing much better than the Bills. The Bills gonna have to do a better job of that. They're gonna have to tackle when they
0: come up on guys. Dress warm. You're on the sideline the whole day, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I actually, I'm not kidding. I will probably be wearing ski goggles. I did that last year in Chicago because the wind was so bad, Tim, that it was making my eyes water and I could not see. So I wore ski goggles, <laughs> which was great. So I'm going to probably wear those again this week.
0: You don't need glasses, do you, yet? Or Conte? Have no, you? I
1: don't think. No, knock on wood. Not, not yet. Let's hope not in then near future. <laughs>
0: all right man we'll hang in there i'll be thinking of you i'll be watching i'll be looking for you on the sidelines to see if i can tell you apart from anybody i'll be looking for you
1: (laughs) you got it brother thanks for having me as always if
0: you're standing next to starks i'll know you're the shorter guy how about that yeah there you go there you go that's right all right Sal. thanks a bunch talk about you from wgr and Bob.